there are so many today that are concerned with the end time, knowing when Jesus Christ comes back. Some specialize in trying to look at the data, so to speak, and try to predict when Jesus Christ will return, yet other people, they they just simply ignore that. But the Bible teaches that no one, no one, including Jesus, knows when he will return. Only that he will. Folks, I can tell you beyond a certain, not fairly certain, but absolute fact, Jesus Christ is coming back. I can tell you that. As far as the details, again, He is God, I am not. So we are to live every day as if He is coming back. Boy, it would be such a blessing to be in a worship service and see the sky split and see our Savior come during worship. But the sad part would be there would be many people still in the pews of our churches today when He came back. Folks, He will return but only he knows today. So how does Jesus' imminent return, how does the fact that we know that he is going to return, how does that affect your life and my life daily? How does it affect you today? How does it affect you at this very moment? Are you going to listen for the next few minutes for possibly the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit to teach you something that is going to set you free and prepare you for his return? Or are you going to allow the devil and everybody else around you that is talking to you to take away the blessing of what God is trying to tell you this morning? You might be thinking about, what am I going to eat for lunch? Or what am I going to do after my nap today? And all these other things. But I'm telling you, in these next few minutes, there may be something, not because I am great, but because God is great. Jesus Christ is coming back, and you need to be ready, not even today, but in this moment, because we do not know when that is going to happen. And as we pick up this passage, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. And in a way of introduction, the Pharisees, they were known as the religious experts in Moses' law, what we know the Ten Commandments and all of the, the Jewish laws that were added to that in the Old Testament. And they had a sincere question that they asked Jesus. The question was, when will the kingdom of God come? Because Jesus spent his entire earthly ministry, talking about this coming kingdom. And as we've talked about before, the the reason the Jewish leaders were so threatened by that is because they thought Jesus was going to be a political power that was going to come and basically remove their power. (coughs) And then the disciples thought that it was going to be an earthly kingdom, earthly power that they could be a part of. But they asked, when will the kingdom of God come? We still ask that question today. Jesus, when are you coming back? When are you going to establish your kingdom? The very kingdom you and your disciples gave your lives for. Well, some may ask today, you may be this person. If you look around you, you look in your wallet, you look in your bank account, you look at what you drive, you look at what you live in, you look at the circle of friends, you look at all everything that you have in your life. Have you ever asked yourself, is this as good as it gets? Is this as good as it gets? We 
So many people in our society today want to live it up for now. That is why people have more credit than they have money. That's why they are, they are buying things that they can't afford. And they are trying to do things that they cannot do because they just want to be filled by these other things. But I want you to understand, you can live your life up now, but because when you die, it's over. It's like the old bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins. Folks, what do they win? Nothing. Folks, there is no hope in that type of thinking. If, you, if your entire life revolves around your bank account or your friend count on your Facebook or whatever it may be, folks, those things are not important. What is important is what we do with Jesus Christ because He is coming back. Amen? And the Pharisees, they, they, their question proved that they were truly blind to who Jesus really was. Jesus had been ministering in front of them for three years now, yet they were still clueless. They focused on every reason to disprove Him rather than believe Him. Let me say that one more time. They focused on every reason to disprove Jesus rather than believe Him. Folks, there are people that will spend their entire lives trying to deny the existence of Jesus Christ. There will be people that will, will stake their lives on that. Uh, many of you may have heard of a, of, not a famous Christian author and speaker, Josh McDowell. He spent the first part of his years trying to disprove the Bible, and it was that very pursuit that led him to the Lord. But folks, there are people that are spending every energy they have to disprove the Bible, disprove Jesus Christ, just like the Pharisees were trying to do. And if you do that, you will miss the blessing. That would be like waiting to go to the airplane to take off to go on a trip you've always wanted to go on, but all of a sudden you look in the airport, and the airport is so pretty, and the plane takes off. You're focusing on the wrong things. Well, do not fall into the trap of the Pharisees this morning and the spiritually blind, because we will give an entire account for every word, every action, every thought that comes into our minds. And folks, we need to quit playing church and be the church. Do you understand me? God's people need to quit playing church. What do you mean playing the church? Well, it's Sunday, you get up, your, your, your alarm is at a certain time, you get up, you do your things, you come to church, and you go home, and the rest of the week there is no change. If that is you, you're playing church. It's not about the clothes you wear. It's not about the time we come. It's not the temperature of the room that we're in. It's about us being the church outside of these walls. So what I want you to do is remember today, Christian, that you serve the King of Kings. Amen? Say with me. I serve the King of Kings. One more time. I serve the King of Kings. Amen. Well, let's go to our passage today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17. Starting with verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with something observable, no one will say, look here or there, for you see, the kingdom of God is among you. Then he told the disciples, the days are coming when you will long to see 
one of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't see it. They will say to you, look there, or look here. Don't follow or run after them. For as the lightning flashes from the horizon to horizon and lights up the sky, so the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on that day, on that day, Lot left Sodom. Fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a man on housetop whose belongings are in the house must not come down to get them. Likewise, the man who is in the field must not turn back. Remember, Lot's wife, whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, Two will be in the bed, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, and the other left. Two will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Where, Lord, they asked him, he said to them, where the corpse is, where the corpse is, there also is vultures, and they will be gathered. Folks, we need to look out for vultures, and I'll explain that. In just a moment. But the first thing we see in verses 20 through 21, we see the fact that God's kingdom is now and later. Now, I don't know about you, but I used to love those candies, now and laters. Man, those things are going to be around till Jesus comes back. And after, because, I mean, they, they are indestructible. I mean, how many people have, I mean, dentists probably love them because they get a lot of business out of them. But man, just something about. Um, you know, that, that taffy kind of thing. It, it's really cool because probably the ones that I had as a child, if I hadn't eaten them, they probably would still be viable today to eat. But, folks, God's kingdom is not a candy. God's kingdom is here now among us. And God's kingdom will come later as He is showing us here. Jesus did not deny that there would be an earthly kingdom. If you would... Go to Revelation chapter 21 for just a moment. Just put your thumb in Luke and go over to uh, Revelation chapter 21. Because I don't want you to take my word for it. This is a beautiful passage. Revelations 21, verse 1 through 5. Oh, what a beautiful picture this is. When I have a rough day... When I have um, one of those days where my faith is not where I wish it would be, or when I think, God, I cannot wait till you come back, I read this passage, and it brings into my mind and my heart why I became a Christian and why I do what I do. And I hope it does the same thing for you. Verses 1 through 5 of 21 talks about the new creation. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea existed no longer. I also saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, 
God's dwelling is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will exist no longer. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write, because these words are faithful and true. There is going to be a new kingdom. There is going to be a new Eden, a new earth that that Jesus Christ is going to establish. But all we have until he does that is our kingdom here. What is the kingdom of God here? The kingdom of God lives not in sanctuaries, but in our hearts, in the hearts of the believer. Holman Park Baptist Church is not this building. I am grateful for this building. But Homeland Park Baptist Church is the people in this building. And that is, where the, that is where Jesus dwells. And that's where His kingdom is found. But to see the kingdom of God, that means we first must look within ourselves. The kingdom of God, it says in verse 21, if you go back and look at Luke 17, 21, it says, Look here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is what? Among you. Among you. That word among has, you can take two different meanings from that. When it says that the kingdom of God among you is among you, that means that, that we are in God's kingdom right now. That, that we are living in God. When we live our lives as Christians and we do our best to follow Him, to be in His will, we are living in His kingdom right here. And we also see that not only does it mean that, that the kingdom is within us, it also means that His kingdom is around us. When He said that the kingdom of God is among you, He was physically saying, I am the kingdom. He was telling them that I am here among you. And folks, Jesus Christ is not here on this earth right now. But He gave us His Holy Spirit. So if you look at the Trinity, technically He's here. Through the Holy Spirit. He is among us. When you read scriptures, that is what translates the scriptures for you. When you listen and when you apply and when you pray, the Holy Spirit is the one doing all that heavy lifting. But what we need, what we need to see here is that the only ticket that will get us into this new kingdom is Jesus Christ. There was a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that found that out when he said, What must I do to be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Folks, how can anyone expect to enjoy the new kingdom if they reject the king? You cannot enjoy the kingdom if you reject the king. We must look within us and we must look around us. But as we see the Pharisees here, their, their view of God's kingdom, it was a little self-serving. Because we see here that it was, for them, it was all about political issues. The, the, the political pull they could have. They cared nothing about the spiritual emphasis. They, they knew that, that the kingdom, they thought it was not for everyone. It was only for the Jews. And the Pharisees were focusing on the great event of their future. It was not about Jesus Christ. 
It wasn't even about the Messiah that they were still waiting for. It was how it could make their lives better. As soon as you put your needs and your wants above what God wants for you in your life, you have got the attitude of the Pharisees working in your lives. They were all concerned about how it affected them, not how they could worship Jesus Christ. We will never see God's kingdom when all of our thoughts, our desires, and our dreams and our aspirations are focused on ourselves. We will miss the kingdom of God that is here. Well, see, I love this. In the passage it says that Jesus turned to the disciples. In other words, he was talking with the Pharisees, and this is evident that he turned his focus to the disciples. He went from the Pharisees who were blind, spiritually, to the disciples, those who had a vision of who he was. And the second point we see is do not be so kingdom focused that you become no earthly good. Do not be so kingdom focused that you become no earthly good. Maybe you've heard this saying before. It says, do not miss the forest for the trees. What does that mean? When you are too close to a situation, you need to step back and see the situation for what it is. Don't focus on just a few trees, but focus on the entire forest. Folks, it's very important that like I said, there are people that are way smarter than me that can, that can take the Scriptures and in their minds predict with a relative certainty when they think Jesus Christ will come back. Maybe I'm just not that smart, but when God says He hasn't told Jesus, He hasn't told us, I'm going to take Him at His word, okay? But there, I mean, there are some people that they will spend all of their time looking for when Jesus is returning, yet do nothing with Him or for Him while they were there on this earth. Folks, we don't need to focus on His return and forget the world. We need to live in the world by focusing on His return. There is a difference. If we become so consumed with the study of His return, we can, we can resist and we can stop being salt and light here in this kingdom. And we must be wise, but we also need to be working. Folks, don't obsess over what you cannot control. You hear me? Don't obsess over what you cannot control. Jesus warned the disciples here not to become obsessed with His return to the point that they spent all of their resources trying to find Him. I mean, because it would have been real easy once He left for them to, to call the search parties out and, you know, and kind of have a, a, a huge manhunt for Jesus Christ, but he, they wouldn't find Him. Because he is not here. He's trying to ground them in what is to come. Acts 1 teaches us that Jesus wants us to be about his work and sharing the gospel and loving others, representing him to our lost and dying world, not holding up in a room, gathering tea leaves and half-baked interpretations of portions of scriptures in hope of his return. He has called us to share the gospel. He has called us to live his life and his love and share it with other people. And if we do not do that, we are being disobedient to the whole reason Jesus came in the first place. Jesus Christ came to establish his kingdom. He chose you, Christian, and myself to tell others about that kingdom until he returns. And if we are not telling others about that, we are not living up to the great commission that he has called us to do. 
And if we were a, if we were an employee, we would be fired. Failed predictions have always been a part of the church since its inception. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul even warns the, 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 the church of Thessalonia not to believe reports that they were hearing that Christ had returned. Christ's return will be known by everyone, not a select few. Understand that. When Jesus Christ comes back, you're not going to have to see it on Facebook. You're not going to have to depend on a cable news channel or a special alert to text you. You will know when Jesus Christ is coming back. What do we know about Jesus Christ's return? There are a few things I want to share with you, and I put the Scriptures up here. Number one, His return will be sudden. It will be sudden. Matthew 24, verse 27-31 says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of man. The design of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all peoples of all the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In verse 31 it says, Our things won't save us. Folks, he might have left here a suffering servant, and he might have got out of Dodge as a resurrected Savior. But when he comes back, there is going to be no suffering on his part. He is going to be on His throne. Bringing His bride back. I I think often when I read that Scriptures, I think of when I was married and I saw Donna come in the back door of Beaver Dam Baptist Church and I thought, it doesn't get any better than this. What do you think Jesus thinks when He sees us? When He comes for His church? Also we know that no one will know when Jesus will return. Matthew 25, 13 says, Therefore be alert, because you don't know the, either the day nor the hour. Luke twelve forty says, You also be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Luke twelve forty six says, That slave's master will come on a day he does not expect him, and at the hour he does not know, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with unbelievers. Folks, we also need to be prepared. Jesus refers to the Old Testament. He gives credibility among the Jews by talking about Noah and talking about Lot. And I want you to, to hang with me for just a second because uh, I don't know about you, but my, my mind was twisted in a minute and I'll, and I'll share that with you in just a moment. But uh, Noah, in Genesis 6-8, through Noah witnessed to his world before the flood. Everyone thought he was crazy. Right? Why are you building a boat? Well, he was building a boat where there was no water. To float it. Sodom. The population of Sodom and Gomorrah had, had grown. And the bigger the population grew, the more the immorality grew. And we see here that they began to trust in themselves and not God. And although we live in a day of compromise, folks, God calls us not to be conformed to this world, but as Romans 12, chapter 1 says, be transformed. Folks, if we are living in this world and we are not uncomfortable and we are good with everything that's going on, we are probably not transformed. We are probably conformed. Because this world will set itself up against Christ. Talking about being prepared, when I was growing up, going out to eat was a special occasion for us. Back when I was a kid, you ate at home all the time. And if you were lucky, 
once or twice a week, you'd get to go out to eat somewhere. Like I remember one of my favorite places was a steakhouse called Rustler. I don't know if you ever heard of that place, but man, they had, you know, they had, that was a treat for me. And so mom would say, hey, we're going to go out tonight, and I'd get my bath. She wouldn't even have to tell me to get my bath. I'd get my bath and comb my hair, and I was ready to go. I was prepared to enjoy that meal. Folks, Jesus Christ is coming back again, and He's saying, I'm going to give you something better than you have ever experienced, but you need to be prepared. The third thing we see is there will be a reckoning for everyone in verses 33 through 36. We need to live for today, but we need to plan for tomorrow. And that is a choice that everyone makes. Are we going to live today, but yet plan for tomorrow? Because there are many people that are living today, and they, they are enjoying their Sunday, doing whatever they want to do, and, and God is not on their radar, and, and they, they are going to put all of their faith and all of the things that they have in their, their garage and in their house and in their bank account. But folks, it's not going to make a difference in eternity. I, love, I want to focus just a moment for the word taken in verse 34. Uh, there's a popular movie, some of you may not know it, but some of you do. There's a, there's a series of three movies called Taken, with Liam Neeson in it. And basically, the, the premise of the movie is, is that he is an ex-special ops kind of guy. We don't know exactly what he did. But, but he, he's a bad dude. And his teenage daughter just was, wanted to go on a trip so bad, and she ended up getting taken hostage. And he spends the entire three series, in one way or the other, going and getting people who are taken. And he's got a quote I want to share with you. Some of you probably have heard it before. It says, he's talking on the phone to the people that have abducted his daughter. And he says, and I'm not going to try to attempt to do his voice because he's got the voice for that. He says, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that will make me a nightmare for people like you. Whew! When I, when I, saw, when I see him say that in the movie, it's like, it's like man, he's going to go get them. I, I feel sorry for them. But it, that's a movie. And that's an actor. But I know that far greater are the words that Jesus says, I am coming back for you, and I am going to take you with me. But, but God is not going to send Liam Neeson after us. He's not going to, Dog the Bounty Hunter does not have a bounty from God to come get us. Jesus Christ is going to return from us, and He wants you, and He will take you. But in verse 34, let's look at verse 34 one more time. I tell you, on that night, two will be in one bed, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. Now, traditionally, when you hear that verse, you think of the rapture. That you're going to be laying in bed next to somebody else, or whether it's a couch, or just, just anyway, there's going to be two people there, and one is going to be taken. But could, could, I, could I, just for a moment, stretch your brains just a little bit, okay? And I want to tell you that that if you want to be scripturally accurate, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that interpretation, but could I give you a different one? Is that okay? Could I give you a different one? I promise you it's biblical. 
This is not made up by me. But it flips the lid on this verse. Check this out. When Noah says the ungodly were taken, it means that the ungodly were taken away. That the, that the waters took them away. Okay? That's what the, the, the term taken meant. That, that they, were, they were swept away. And then when you look at Lot, which is who Jesus just mentioned, Lot and his family were led away while the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah were taken by fire. So we see that in the context of which Jesus is talking about taking, it is not about the rapture, but it's about judgment. It's about judgment. This passage, if you were to go back and look at Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 24, 39, He says, And they did not understand until the flood came, and what? Took them all away. So will be the man, or so will the coming of the Son of Man be. If you were to take the context in which Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, and if you were to take the context of him mentioning Noah, and if you were to take the context of him talking about Lot, if you put the fact that two were here and one was taken away, the context is not rapture. The context is the evil person will be taken away for judgment. They will be swept away. It's not about the rapture. Yes, when the rapture comes, people will be raptured and there will be people that will be left behind. But we lose some of the the teeth in the Scripture if we just think about it as a rapture. Because in the context of which it is written, it says there will be a, a godly person and an evil person, and the evil person will be taken away to judgment. Folks, hear me loud. I, I, listen, I, if I could scream, I would, but I'm not going to. God loves you, and God loves me. And Jesus is coming again for His kingdom. But God will judge. Judgment is part of the kingdom. Everyone will be judged, and there will be a reckoning. So I tell you, as we look at verse 37, we see verse 37 says, Where, Lord, they ask Him, He said to them. In other words, where are you taking us? And He says, Where the corpse is, there are also vultures will be gathered. Revelation 19, verses 17 through 21 say this. Is judgment is speaking to as far as the beast and the battle of Armageddon. He says in verse 17 of chapter 19 of Revelation, he says, Then I saw an angel standing on the sun, and he cried out in a loud voice, saying to all the birds flying overhead, Come, gather together for the supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of everyone, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and the armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast 
was taken prisoner. And along with him, the false prophets who had performed the signs in his presence, he deceived those who accepted the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image with these signs. Both of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword that came from the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds were filled with flesh. To take this into context and to see where Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about those that are judged will be sent to hell. Where the birds and the vultures are flying. Now, I've, I've driven down many a highway in my life, and I'm sure you have too. And when you drive down the highway and you see those birds circling, you know beyond a certain shadow of doubt, that there's something dead below them. And they're circling until they go down and get them. Folks, we need to look out for the vultures. Folks, don't chase after people and things that lead to death. Don't place value on this rotting world when you can have eternal life. You can be expectant of Jesus Christ's return, or you can be ignorant. But either way, Jesus is returning. And folks, what's so important about judgment? Without judgment, His work on the cross would be incomplete. If God did not judge those who did not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, then His blood would have been shed for nothing. Do not leave here this morning Incomplete. Do not leave here with your head in the sky waiting for Jesus Christ to return yet doing nothing for Him while you're on this earth today. How many parables, how many miracles, how many teachings do we need to read where Jesus says, be about my work while you're here? If you are a Christian today, listen, Jesus Christ is coming back. And I proclaim that, and I cannot wait for that day. But folks, until they close the doors of this church, we need to continue sharing the gospel and loving others in this community, in our families, in this world. And if you're not a Christian, I want you to understand, if you have spent your life fighting that, this passage is clear. You will be judged. That passage in Revelation where it talks about the battle of Armageddon, uh, that that is an actual, they have a a place called Megiddo, which is an actual tell. A tell is uh, over in Iraq and Israel, all those places where old kingdoms used to be. Through years, the, the soil and everything gets on top of it, so it looks like a mountain. But then, if you get archaeologists in there, and they start digging away pieces, they find entire cities. Well, the place to which Armageddon takes place is over in the Middle East. And as I see that word picture that Jesus is saying, as you look on the ground and see carnage beyond what you could even imagine in the worst war movie, and you see kings and servants, army folks and innocent bystanders, all of their bodies laying on the ground, Folks, every one of us is going to be judged. And I pray 
that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, stop waiting for Him and accept Him today. Because folks, the vultures are circling. Let's not be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. God, we thank You for this morning. And I thank You for Your Scripture. The Lord, we will be judged. And so, Lord, if there's anyone here today that does not know You as their Savior and Lord, as I plead every week, I say again, may they come forward. We'll lead them in a prayer. Coming forward doesn't save somebody. But praying to receive salvation does. And so if someone would like to know how to do that, they can come see me. Jason or or any of our our ministers and they can pray with him. And Lord, if there's someone here today that just needs to be reminded that they need to do all they can while they're here for you, I pray you give them that strength today. Or if there's someone that has a prayer need or would like to join the church, this invitation time is for you because your judgment is coming. May we make the right decisions for today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?